the World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. The monsters. They wear many masks in our world. Some are deranged, psychotic beings, unaware of the insanity that festers within. Others are brutal, ruthless assailants, executioners of a sinister plan. The monster slayers. They too are varied and unique. Shawn Michaels, the WWF champion, yields 200 pounds to the beast known as Vader. But he counters with guile, superb athleticism, and the courage of a gallant champion. And then there's the Undertaker, the mysterious light in a world of darkness. To exorcise the demon mankind, he cannot rely upon convention. In this cold, unforgiving battleground, he must embrace the horror to defeat it. For the monsters to be abolished, David must slay Goliath. The Reaper must claim another damned soul. But good doesn't always triumph over evil. Sometimes victory eludes heroics. Sometimes the horror lives on. Again, and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are. SummerSlam 2017 underway as we're recording. Just started. We've already seen John Cena beat Baron Corbin, who had a very bad week. Anti-bully my butt. John Cena was a bully during that match. He was a bully. He put on JBL's hat. He jawed with Baron Corbin. He did not act like be a star, uh, respect, loyalty, hustle John Cena. He acted like uh, almost a little like Conor McGregor uh, in what I saw of it. It was a very short match. Baron Corbin is still very limited. I'm probably not the only one that feels that way because they took the briefcase off of him. They took the Money in the Bank briefcase off of him on Tuesday night. Tried to cash in on the Maharaja after uh, a grueling match with John Cena. Yeah. Uh, Jinder Mahal took a mega AA, an avalanche AA off the top rope. And Baron Corbin caused an interruption in the match to get uh, Cena disqualified. He was walking back to the back and then he thought, you know what? I don't need this briefcase anymore. I'm going to go ahead and cash it in. So he goes and he cashes it in and gets distracted by the mere presence of John Cena on the ring apron and gets rolled up. Not even an offensive move done to him. No. Gets rolled up and loses this Money in the Bank briefcase. It's a prestigious Money in the Bank briefcase. In all of six seconds. Yes. This is a Damian Sandow cash-in. This is a King Kennedy uh, losing the briefcase. At least he lost it to Edge, though, back in the day. I mean, quite a waste. WWE TV. They ruined my predictions for this week because they went ahead and changed the Cruiserweight title on Raw because it was going to be on the pre-show, and they figured no one's going to see that, so we'll just go ahead and change it on Raw. Yeah. So that already happened. And then, yeah. I'd predicted a Baron cash-in. Well, he cashed in on Tuesday. So they, they must have listened to the show, even though I didn't publish it until Thursday. They somehow could look into the future and see what WWE I... WWE predi- has eyes everywhere. Yeah, so. well, they, they, they've probably got microphones hidden in this room, and so they heard us and heard my predictions. And, so, and by the way, SummerSlam 2017, a lot of notables left off the card. No Hardy Boys. They are. They're not on there. 
They're going to be on there. What did they do? They're, the Hardys are going to be tagging up with... Um, oh, are they going to take on the Miztourage again? That's what they did on Monday. Yes, they are doing that again. So, Well, Sami Zayn was left off. Maria Kanellis and Mike Kanellis were left off. The club was left off, I think. Yes. I mean, so yeah, from uh, WWE TV, that was the big story this week, obviously. And then NXT happening last night with the debut of Adam Cole Bebe. He was uh, he debuted along with, well, Rad, Red Dragon had already debuted on the roster before, but they're apparently a group now, and uh, Drew McIntyre won the belt off of Bobby Roode, and so NXT, Oscar retained the women's title, and the tag titles changed to Sanity, so uh, a lot of big happenings on the NXT show, and uh, I think Bobby Roode is heading to the main roster very shortly very soon, since yeah. they've taken the belt off of him. Well, Adam Cole... I, I don't want to take my own horn here, but I did predict this. If you go back three months ago on the last episode, that Adam Cole would be in the WWE before the year was out. Just saying. Well, he was the hottest free agent that there that's going to come along this year. So it's not that big of a prediction, but it's pretty big. Every time they sign the biggest name on the Indies, I think, well, who's next? But there's always there's always somebody that they can they can get right. So. Uh, good for him, and good for the company. While we're heading into news, uh, Global Force Wrestling has hired my good friend and the very talented Kira Hogan. She will be the next new and upcoming knockout for the Global Force Impact, and so uh, we wish her the best. Uh, I mean, when I saw her wrestle in Rome that one time, I wasn't that impressed really? with what I saw, but good for her. I mean... I think she's very talented, so and will be in the WWE one day. So, as for Global Force, we are going to say goodbye to Angelina Love as she has decided to hang up her boots. She's retiring for good, and I guess so, she didn't uh, want to give up that ten percent of uh, indie booking money. No, and uh, she says she's going to go home and be a mom. So, uh, hey, I don't know if JoJo is at SummerSlam. I have not seen her. But JoJo was not on Raw, and that's because her sister passed away. So well, that's terrible. This past week, so we wanted to uh, send our condolences out to JoJo. And a much happier note, Global Force Wrestling has stripped Alberto El Patron out of the uh, Global Force Heavyweight title. From what I read, he told them to go ahead and do it. But uh, I'm happy that they went ahead and, uh, and stripped it of him. There's too much heat around him. Too much controversy around him. And as we're sticking with that... Him and Paige did a uh, a bowling event, charity bowling event, this past week in Texas. Paige was asked by a uh, TV reporter. Natalia has just won the women's world title. Thank goodness Natalia finally has claimed her rightful place in women's history. With a sharpshooter in the middle of the ring. So there Natalia you go. is our new SmackDown. SmackDown Women's Champion. It is about freaking time. That's all I got to say. It was an okay match. Uh, Naomi selling a back injury, so that is the story of the loss. Put her in the sharpshooter, and that was it. Yeah, but it looks like the crowd is anticipating a Carmella cash-in as they are all standing around We could, we could see a... Okay. I, I did have Natalia as my pick. You did, indeed. I picked Naomi to retain outright, so uh, congratulations once again. Another uh, The company and you combined are eliminating all of my SummerSlam 2017 predictions. <laughs> we might see, however, we may see a Carmella Cashian. It certainly looks like 
It the could, crowd is expecting. It, it could quite possibly happen. Nope. Nope. All right. Not even a tease. Thank you. Natalia is finally at the top of the mountain where she deserves. Crazy it took her that long. That is insane. Did she ever have the Divas belt? She did, but oh, okay. even it was a quick run. She's never had a legitimate identifying run like the likes of Charlotte Flair or Trish Stratus, Lita, Sasha Banks. And so it's time that she have that run. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I don't even remember the Divas belt run, so I thought this was her first title one ever. So. No, she did hold the Divas title, but it was a short, it was a short-lived run. All right, back to what you were saying. Back to women's wrestling, however. Alberto and Paige. Oh, yeah, Paige was asked. We uh, were at a, uh, a bowling event in Texas this past week, and uh, Paige was asked, when will we be seeing you on WWE television? And Paige said she has been cleared by her doctors. And hopefully within the next couple of months, the doctors of WWE will clear her and she will be back in a WWE ring. I think that was all lip service, though. We can go with it. That's what she said. Well, so, you know. I'm sure her fans loved hearing that. But like yeah. I said, I think it's just lip service to her fans because not only do I think that there's not a place for her on the main roster with, with Lana and Tamina and Nia Jax on Raw and Emma, they've got a lot of projects on there already. In yeah. addition to the, the top stars, like Charlotte and Becky and Sasha and Bailey, who's out with an injury. And then you've got this Mae Young classic coming up. It's already started. You're going to get you're a gonna lot sign of female a lot of, stars from that. Yeah. And so I just think that this has passed her by. And yeah. I think... Her, if, time's, her time's gone. I don't think she can jump back into the routine of things with WWE. Well... Uh, for a lot of people that have left the company recently and then come back to the company, it was the best thing that they ever did. Jinder Mahal and Drew McIntyre are wearing gold belts, you know, today. And if they had never left the company, they would still be in three-man band or whatever. That's true. So if she was to leave the company and still want to wrestle, it might be the best thing for her to do. She can make a lot of money out there. She can make a lot of money out there, not work the schedule, and be with Albert, be with... The man she loves. Yeah. And so I don't see her coming back and into a WWE ring anytime soon. We want to wish some birthdays this past week. My good friend, beautiful Bobby Eaton, wished, we want to wish him a very happy birthday. Bobby Eaton is 59. 59. Okay. We would like to wish him a very happy birthday as long. We're going to go right along with birthdays. Another good friend of mine, and I uh, had a long conversation with him this past week about his contributions and his what he has done for the wrestling business. His birthday is also August 14th, the same as Bobby Eaton's. The one and only Mr. Bob Backlund turned 68 this year, and I would like to wish Bob Backlund a very happy birthday from Retro Wrestling Podcast as well. I hope he figures out who Pamela Anderson is. But. He does not know who Pamela Anderson is yet. I don't think he does. Uh, but I had a long talk with him about his uh, his contributions to the business and what he uh, what he has accomplished and the fact that he didn't give on any of his morals. He didn't bend on any of his uh, on his beliefs, and he uh, he stood strong and true even when it meant him getting fired. And so. You know, kudos to Bob Backlund, and uh, 
We want to wish both of y'all, Bob Backlund, beautiful Bobby Eaton, a very happy, very happy birthday. On to our next. We're not only about pro wrestling here. We're about boxing and USC as well. A hundred dollars a ripoff, in my opinion. I mean, who is your pick for? Oh, Mayweather will no doubt win this match. You going with Mayweather easily? Okay, I'm going with Mayweather as well. So we are on the same team on this. Uh, it's nothing against Connor. It's a man that has had fifty, almost. This will be his fiftieth pro fight. Yeah, in Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Plus, he fought in the Olympics and all his amateur work. There's no way to match that level of experience, no matter... I agree. And, I mean, he's been doing it for so long. I mean, he's 40 years old. I mean, McGregor... I'm not sure how old McGregor is, but you would need... Even if you had been fighting MMA that long, I just don't... I just, It's a different style of fighting. And especially how Mayweather fights. He fights primarily defensively. He's right. not. He's not a brawler. He doesn't take risks. He doesn't... And that's what I saw with the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight is it was very boring because they were both the same kind of fighter. They're not... Floyd isn't going to get knocked out. I don't think McGregor's going to get knocked out. I think it's going to go... I believe it's 12 rounds. It'll go all 12 rounds. It'll be a very boring fight because Mayweather is just a defensive boxer. And he's boring to watch. And so, In so- all of his greatness, he's part of the reason boxing kind of sucks because you don't have people that take chances in the ring. No. You and you have promoters that make matchups to where there are no close fights. There, for a long time, there, the perception was there's no close fight. And there's no fighter that goes out there and takes a risk to open themselves up to getting knocked out. To have yeah. an impressive showing. There's only been a couple of times where Mayweather's even been rocked in a fight. Yeah. So I just don't see this fight being good. or It's interesting it's interesting, but it's not worth a hundred dollars. They were allowed to. Uh, it came out this week that they're allowed to use lighter, changing gloves, lighter weight yeah. gloves. So, well, these uh, are the gloves that Mayweather wanted to use to begin with. And yeah, Connor, of course, is all for that because they the UFC gloves are much lighter than eight ounces. So he's yeah, sure, whatever. He'd go yeah. in there bare knuckled if he could. Yeah. Um. So, but I don't think that changes anything because. Mayweather has used eight ounce gloves in the past. He he's used to fighting at a lower weight. He's actually coming up in weight, I think, to make this fight. So, but they're gonna make a lot of money, and they're gonna. I just feel like it's it's a hundred fucking dollars. Now the last portion of this is, are me and you and the rest of the boys breaking out the projector and watching this no. at your house next Saturday night? No, I can't do it. We're not doing it. No, it's not only that. I wish that the undercard had had some MMA fights on it. Then I would have been more interested. But there's, it's all, it's a straight boxing. Oh, card. a straight boxing card. Yeah, there's not. If the UFC is co-promoting it, so they do get some of the money, but they didn't get to put any MMA fights on the undercard. It's nothing like when Ali fought, uh, fought Anoki when they had you know Chuck Web, Chuck Webner, box you know Andre the Giant. You had Muhammad Ali wrestle. Antonio Inoki, you had... Right, yeah, it's nothing like that. These are just straight boxing matches, which Mayweather's promotions team has put together the undercard. Like, Well, damn. It's just a snooze fest. I mean, and that's the thing. By the time McGregor and Mayweather get to the ring, it's going to be so late, and then it's going to go all 12 rounds, and it's going to... If it lives up to the way I think it's going to go, it's going to be a terribly boring fight, and it's just... No, no, I can't do it. No one's going to want to... I'm with you, though. I, no one's going to want to open up and take a chance for a huge knockout. I feel like they're all going to 
They're going to play. I think McGregor might get knocked out because I think he will go in there. He's going to go after this guy because he has nothing to lose. If he, if he, McGregor has nothing to lose because if he gets knocked out, so what? I got knocked out by a guy with fifty pro fights. And if he wins, he pulled off a huge upset. He's got yeah. nothing to lose. That, and yeah, it's yeah. not an, He's an MMA fighter. He can always say, well, that, I, this was a boxing match. Mayweather's got everything to lose yeah. in this fight. So I do think McGregor will be aggressive and will go after him. But I don't think that – I think Mayweather's going to be so covered – so focused on, on defense that there's not going to be a knockout punch. No. No. McGregor's only gone five rounds in the UFC that last time we saw him fight. That, so, that is true. So, what is what kind of stamina does he actually have to go long distance? Yeah, what kind of gas tank? I mean, I mean, I know it's boxing, and MMA is probably more physically demanding of cardio, but uh, still, though, man, it's a different it's a different sport. So, uh, no, I won't be uh, watching this one if it was free or if there was a good way of. And I mean, I'm if I had money in it too. I think McGregor is a if you want to put down like a hundred bucks, if you. You could cash in. I mean, you and the earlier you put your bet in, you could make a lot of. That's who's going to be buying this fight are people that put a little bit of money on the fight. Yeah, because they could they could cash in. They could win. Oh, Vegas is talking about this fight like crazy. The odds are still rolling. Which way is it going to go? Oh no, so. it's always it's been and it's Mayweather's a heavy favorite. Yeah, so. but I'm still saying it's the it's swaying back and forth closer to being well you know connor may actually but no so but then there's a lot of people putting big money on mayweather because it's a safe bet so that's who's gonna want to watch the fight that's what really interests back to more news the biggest story of the entire week jim Cornette has returned to global force wrestling I don't think that was the biggest story of the week Uh, there was one slightly bigger story but a bigger story uh jim Cornette. He, uh, he returned to Global Force Wrestling to, quote-unquote, fire Bruce Pritchard. And uh, I was happy to see him back. It's, it's always good to see Jim on the— No, uh, he's a great character. Yeah, it's always good to see him. Uh, no, the really the biggest story of the week uh, is, is the health of uh, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. And uh, who is— The second greatest Nature Boy only to Paul Lee. Okay, let, that's bullshit, and we all know it. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, yeah, no. Um, apparently, uh, he wasn't feeling good. He wasn't feeling good. I don't know all the details. I've uh, spoken with his fiance, and uh, Fifi has told me he just wasn't feeling good. That he went to the uh, the hospital, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't. It's not my place to speculate. It's not my place to 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 give out any of the health that I was. Uh, that was told to me in secret so he's just got a long road ahead of him and we want to wish uh wish rick the uh the best and uh what's your favorite moment in rick flair's career what do you he's still in critical condition so uh the, I, I can leave it at that and we'll we'll leave it there what's your what's your best moment what what stands out is the greatest moment for you because each fan has a different moment as it pertains to Ric Flair? Uh, well, for me, I mean, I didn't start watching wrestling um, until... I mean, Ric Flair was, I mean, still an active wrestler well into when I started watching wrestling, but I missed all the things that made him such a legend. 
So when I first was introduced to Ric Flair, to me, he looked very out of place in the late 90s because he's his white hair, he looks old, even though he wasn't that old. I mean, yeah, he's always had that white hair, though. I mean... Yeah. It got gray as he went along, but... And so... And he doesn't have... He never had, like, a, a muscly body. Like, I... Like, Ultimate Warrior was, like, what I thought pro wrestlers should look like. Right. Because that's what... I had very little interaction with wrestling as a kid, and, like, the only interaction I had with it, I saw Ultimate Warrior, and I thought he was, like, awesome. But I didn't keep up with it, and I didn't start watching. So I didn't start watching wrestling like until like 96 or 97. So when people would talk about Ric Flair and his greatness, I was always like, I just didn't get it. Like, he, he didn't connect with me, partially because of, yeah, I didn't know the history of it. And also, like, his TV matches and stuff. TV matches are just short. They're not... Yeah. And I didn't have pay-per-view, and we never ordered pay-per-views. We never... I never rented a WCW, like, VHS or whatever. And as a... And since I was a young, since I, I wasn't a super young kid, but I still thought like, all this guy does is cheat. He's just a fucking cheater. Yeah. He goes out there. He always pulling shit out of his trunks yeah. and just looking for the easy way out. And, uh, you know, cheaters, you know, because you're taught, you know, the hero, I to root for the hero. I yeah. didn't realize that the, the villain can be fun and too. Or whatever. Uh, so everything that I've seen of Ric Flair, I've had to go back and, and watch as an adult or whatever. And so for me, my favorite moment of his actually happened in the WWF, which is certainly not what made him a star or anything. And it's not really his best run by far, but winning the 92 Royal Rumble. Yeah. And the promo he cuts where he says this is the greatest thing. That, just the promo he cuts after the 92 Rumble and his num- 92 Rumble performance in general. Right, because he came in, what, third? Yeah, he was basically the original Iron Man in the the Rumble. I mean, he didn't enter first or second, but... He came in, I think, I believe he came in third. And so, yeah, no, that was... And just the way that Bobby Heenan finally had a world champion. Uh, Mr. Perfect was in the group, too. I mean, I think it's one of the best promos I've ever seen of, like... Because he's still, he's still a bad guy, but he can still be proud of the fact that he won the title. That moment really stands out. Of course, the Nitro that we watched... When he came back after suing WCW was a very, a very real moment in the ring. That was I, that was mine. Uh, you know, I have lots. I have lots. You know, when Flair, you know, Flair retired, or when you know, there's lots of great moments in Flair's career. But uh, or all the stuff he did in the NWA. I and mean. The, oh yeah, all of his stuff with with Dusty and with Harley Race and and he made Sting. You know, and he him and Steamboat just oh. Or even wrestling when Hogan signed with WCW to finally finally deliver that dream match yeah. that the WWF failed to do, like right, which they had teased, oh the real world champion versus our champion, like but they never delivered it. But here WCW finally delivered it, and also his uh, his ability to to always put people over, you know that's right. why he's won a, more than sixteen title belts, despite what WWF would have you believe. Like he won way more title belts than that because he's always willing to put people over. That means he lost them that many times too. Yeah, and I'm not saying he never probably said no to putting someone over, but he put a lot of people over. He was never, he didn't mind like yeah, Hogan. That's it. He was not like Hogan. He was not. He was more about the business than himself, even though he made a lot of money and he styled and profiled and he enjoyed being a star. The uh, he, he put so many people over, but the one that sticks out in my mind uh, 
when him and Kerry Von Eric, you know, here here he is. Kerry, oh, when he went to Kerry, Texas, Kerry's on this big run, man. They 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 rent out the helicopter landing yeah, and all that stuff. They rent it, you know. They rent out the stadium. Here we go, and Kerry Von Eric wins the NWA title in Texas. In Texas, that place went absolutely insane. Yeah, that, and Kerry. By all accounts, was not ready for something like that. No, but, but, but Flair agreed to it. A Flair, Flair was like, you know what, this kid's the future. I can give him that rub. And, I'll get the title back later on. But it and it just worked. Well, because Flair understood that once you reach a certain level, a loss will not hurt you. Unlike the way they book today, where they think, oh, he can't lose. Yeah, we can't have him lose. Yeah, we can't have Roman Reigns lose. Or Hogan's thought, I can never lose. <laughs> yeah, no. I can't. I'll just. I'll just vacate the title before I lose, you yeah. know, like So that's that's actually I think his best quality is that uh but, always willing to do business, wrestle people that he wrestled everybody. There's yeah. nobody that I can think of that, you know, in within his I mean, had a huge long career, nobody that he missed out, you know, like No, that's the thing and that's what uh I can't sit here and say like, "Oh, you know, it would have been great if he wrestled such and such." But he wrestled him. If he would, if you wrestled from like 1979 to like 2006 or whatever, you wrestled Ric Flair more than likely. Yeah. If you were a top guy, like that's just insane to me. Like, yeah. He unlike was... where we sit here and we're like, man, I really wish I saw Sting wrestle Undertaker, or man, I really wish I saw Hogan and Austin. But like Ric Flair wrestled Austin, wrestled Rock, wrestled Hogan. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. I mean. Nash, DDP, every top guy wrestled this guy. Yeah. So. Yeah, and uh, I, I didn't really think about it. It's a fan sent me a, a message on Facebook, and he said, uh, he said, I saw your post about Rick. He said, um, he was a younger, younger fan. I believe he was 16. And uh, he said, I don't know much about Ric Flair. What do you consider his greatest attribute? What do you consider his greatest moment? And and I said his attribute is his promos. Oh yes, by his far. promos without a doubt is is his promo work is natural through charisma. The oh, absolutely. No scripts, you know. Back before they had scripts and before they, he understood how to be a heel and cut a heel promo without just burying the other guy. And he made you want to buy a ticket. Yeah, he made you literally want to buy a ticket and go to the arena, get in your car, drive to the, and watch him get his ass kicked. And he would lose on house shows a lot when yeah. there was no TV cameras on. Yeah. And so you got your money's worth. Right. And so, uh, but uh, I, I told him, he asked me, you know, his, what, what do you consider your favorite, you know, your favorite moment of his? Because I want to go back and watch. And I uh, I told him the the Nitro that we did. Because, I mean, if I don't know how long it was, but it, it felt like seven to eight minutes of just a standing ovation. When Ric Flair is just in the ring, couldn't even say a word on the microphone because the place is going nuts. I mean, that's just that's unheard of. Well, it's hard to replicate a, a real emotion. And you can't. That was yeah, real emotion. that that was that, and that that's what I loved about it is when, uh, especially when uh, Bischoff comes out and he's he's telling him he's like, you know, you can't you can't replicate real. You can't sit there and oh, this is great TV. No, fuck that. This is real. You know, yeah, and that's he calls was, Bischoff an asshole. Yeah, yeah, and a son of a bitch. Fire and, me! And I'm it, already. Fired. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was just done so well, and it was just it 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 
it came off just anyway it was magical and that moment stands out for me as as the greatest moment in Ric Flair which he had numerous ones oh man yeah and each person has a different Ric Flair story that one just stands out to me that one and uh went to a house show and here in Chattanooga at the UTC McKenzie Arena and I saw Ric Flair team up with Shawn Michaels to take on in a tag team match Carlito and Chris Masters (laughs) you laugh but they tore that house down they carried Carlito and Chris Masters for 25 minutes. That was, without a doubt, an unbelievable, great tag team match. Yeah, that's it's funny, yeah. And so, like, literally, and it was just, oh, man, it was it was so awesome to be able to... Uh, it's something you had to have been there. You because, had to yeah. have been there, because you think about it, you're like, oh, that match was shit, and you're like, no, dude, that match was awesome. The greatest wrestler of all time. Randy Orton has defeated Rusev, by the way. Randy Orton has gone over... Wow, that was a quick match. I think it was just like an RKO, and that was it. Um, so, uh, Or not to mention just all the wrestlers that Ric Flair influenced. I mean, yeah. Shawn Michaels. That, uh, yeah, absolutely. Triple H. I mean, every pro, everybody that's in pro wrestling will, will cite Ric... I mean, when we were at the Hall of Fame, it was always Ric Flair was mentioned in every speech. Yeah, I... Uh, I was trying to show uh, a friend of mine the uh, the Hall of Fame speech of the Rock and Roll Express uh, this past year and or this year actually and uh, and it, it literally Ricky Morton pulls up and he's like, "Hey, if it wasn't for Ric Flair, we wouldn't have gotten brought in to the uh, into Charlotte." So the Rusev match was literally Rusev jumps him as he's doing his turnbuckle pose. Throws him back in the ring. RKO out of nowhere. That's it. Didn't even have to take his uh, sleeveless hoodie off. Didn't even off. take his sleeveless jacket off. There you go. All right. Yeah, but... Yeah, Ric Flair. My pick this week will be one of Ric Flair's greatest moments. Really? So there you go. Okay. One of them, yeah. There's one of. too many. There are so many. That's Millions. true. Think about the last Nitro. Him and Sting. They started it off. They they closed it out. That's you know. That's it, man. Rick. I think I think he'll uh, he'll pull through this. I think. No, I really. Yeah, he is. Like I said, he's still in critical condition. From the last I heard, uh, I do wish he wish him well. He is a he is a national treasure. Oh yes. I don't Space I, Mountain. I, we have to. I mean, we have to preserve you, it. Yeah, he's a national treasure, and so as it you know, I couldn't imagine how much front page news it got on news and and then espn and and everybody covering it it wasn't just wrestling we we hey man we wish you well rick and uh keep fighting buddy get better champ all right well that wraps up a look at this week in news the second to last week in august as we are just flying through this year and it's time for your pick we're coming up on our yearly anniversary. It is true. We're almost, but I was going to hold off until like actual episode 52. Yeah. Because uh, we had to miss a few weeks here and there. So, we did. Uh, People do take vacations and go out of town and, you know, wrestling shows. But I think pop we've up. done pretty so, good. We have done pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, almost a year of doing this show. So that's pretty crazy. Because I feel like we just started this. Absolutely, yeah. I'm still. I believe it or not, I he takes notes in his phone, and and uh, I take notes in my uh, old school, you know, 
book pen tablet <laughs> book pen <laughs> write it down don't even know what this notebook is called yeah anymore. this notebook yeah. and uh what's this kids uh and i still yeah and take take notes that way and so i'm still in my i'm still in my first notebook i haven't even and which wow. is crazy but i'm still in the same one that we started well, that's with. a big you got a pretty big uh it notebook. is a, it's a big notebook yeah. it is so but uh, you're getting close to the end of it i am I a few more shows and we'll I'll be having to uh, to run and get another one. Yeah. So you wanted to pick an episode. Oh, well, you wanted to pick a pay per view that also highlighted a wrestler who's had some health problems in the last year. Leon White, known as Vader. Yes, who we've already discussed, never really got a fair shake in the WWF, and he would have if this match had gone better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's one spot in this match that made. Shawn Michaels lose his shit. Well, and yeah, and from then on, no, I don't want to work with him. Fuck that guy. He's yeah. terrible. Yeah. And poor made poor Leon cry backstage after this match. This was a well, this was at the height of Shawn being a, a cunt in the uh yes. in the uh, WWF when he had all the power. He was their only true superstar. I mean, Undertaker is always like going to be the secondary top guy. I mean, that's a, that's part of why Undertaker had such a long career. Is like the company was never based on the Undertaker. It was always yeah. someone, one or two guys, just slightly above him. And in this case, it was just Shawn Michaels because the, the Undertaker had a rough night tonight too. By the way, oh that match! <laughs> I think we all had a rough night in the boiler room with the Undertaker. <laughs> Uh, but the Austin era was just starting. Yeah. Let's get you up to speed in 96. So, of course, WrestleMania, the Iron Man match, the boyhood dream came true. Yes. Shawn Michaels. And, and Brett took his ball and went home. He took his ball and went to that uh, show that he did. Yeah. That Lonesome, what, what's it called? Lonesome Dove? Lonesome Dove. He yes. went to go shoot Lonesome Dove and said, hey, Vince, I'll see you when I see you. Which is a great show, by the way. Uh, yeah, and so he wanted to go be a TV star yeah. and take the year off, and uh, we'll just come back to this rematch at WrestleMania 13. Well, things didn't quite go that way, but in the meantime, here's what Sean has been up to. So uh, the In Your House right after WrestleMania 12, he wrestled Diesel, he right did. before Diesel said goodbye. This was, uh, that was um, Good Friends, Better Enemies. That's there right, you In Good Your friends. House, yeah. Good Friends, Better Enemies. And that was, of course, Razor Ramon's last show, too. So both of those guys yes, then left the company. They went down south to uh, to WCW. Yeah, they took their money and ran home. Well, then he got into a feud with British Bulldog, and that took we had several in, pay-per-views. We had In Your House at... Uh, uh, Beware of Dog. Beware of Dog when the lightning struck the arena. and <laughs> we, oh, All the lights went out. All the lights went out. Yeah. We had uh, the entire pay-per-view without uh, lighting. We had... Uh, Spotlights, yeah, actually shining on the yeah. So and then in the last in your house international incident, it was Camp Cornette taking on the People's Posse, which had all of Cornette's guys Vader, Owen Hart, British Bulldog taking on Sean Psycho Sid and Ahmed Johnson, who they had big plans for, but they had to scrap those as well. And so out of that match, Vader ended up pinning Shawn Michaels in this six-man tag. And so that is what brings us to SummerSlam 96, where Vader is your number one contender. Also, the fact that Ahmed Johnson got injured. He had won the number one contendership. Yes. But got injured. He was also the Intercontinental Champion. So there's no Intercontinental Champion on this show. And they 
announce their plans for the IC belt on this show, but so a lot of pressure put on Shawn Michaels to deliver. Yeah, because I mean, you're you're going into one of your big four, right? You have no IC title. The NWO has just started in WCW. Hogan has just dropped the leg, heard around the world. So you've got to make a statement. You've got to go out there, and WWF has got to show, hey. We're still here too. Yeah, the the tide was the ship was starting to sink. And you're going into into a, a match with Owen who has broken his wrist. Right. You had uh, Billy Gunn was wearing a cast. Billy Gunn had broken his wrist. Chris Candido who actually did fracture a bone. Oh right, yeah, he, he had a broken neck, so he, that's why he never got tagged he in. He fractured. That match. He fractured a vertebrae in his neck. So I mean, he literally broke his neck and went out there and still he didn't get stood in. There. Yeah, he didn't get in the ring, but he stood there. You know, all these men who are actually they're hobbling out to the severely ring, severely injured, threw casts on and and said, "Hey, we got to go. Like it's time to put up or shut up." And so I'm sure, in hindsight, Vader wishes he was still with the WCW at this time because he had left right at the start of Monday Nitro. Yeah, uh, had left the week before and went to Japan and then came to the WWF. But had he been with WCW, I mean. I guess he would have just been another face in the NWO. I mean, I guess he would have had a black mask or something, but I really wonder how he would have fit fit in over there, but I think they would have put him with DDP and like anti NWO. They would have loved to have the uh him and him and Flair and DDP. Well, the the Giant and Vader fight each other. Oh, that would have been a great match. It's August 18th, 1996. We're at the Gund Arena, now known as the Quicken Loans Arena, the home of the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland, Ohio in front of an alleged 17,000 people. We've done a lot of Cleveland shows lately. Yes, I don't know what's going on. I don't why either. we just randomly keep picking <laughs> Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> but a lot of uh, pay-per-views happen there, and this was uh, one of them. The free-for-all match, back when they used to put the free-for-all on the preview channel for 30 minutes before the show started. So those last-minute people wavering, should I order this, should I not, you'd watch the free-for-all and make your decision. They decided to put Stone Cold Steve Austin on the free-for-all. So a total waste of Stone Cold and Yokozuna. I mean, think of how far Yokozuna had fallen. But the two of them went 152 on the free-for-all and were kept off this card. I really wish they were put on the card. I would much rather have saw that match over the tag titles. Oh, yes. That tag team title match was terrible. <laughs> I'm, just throwing, I'm just throwing that one out there. That, that was brutal. I thought most of this card, honestly, was quite terrible. Great opening promo, though. Black and white. Classic WWF. Monsters wear masks in our world. Because, of course, Mankind and Vader have the similar type mask. By the way, Mick Foley, Mankind debuting the night after WrestleMania 12 on Raw and had started... This was his. This right here was his big either do we give him a push, does he become a big name star, or does he just become another gimmick? This... Right, is he Monster of the Month for Undertaker? Is, he, is there more to him yeah. than that? Those are the two main events. Mankind taking on Undertaker in a boiler room brawl, and then, of course, Shawn Michaels. And the, and the man they call Vader in the main event. JR joins Vince McMahon, and heel Mr. Perfect is on commentary, and not in the ring for some reason. I guess he was still probably injured at this point. Yeah, he probably was. Out first, oh boy, good guy Savio Vega. And immediately I was like, what have you done to me, Patrick? Because I like Savio Vega, but face happy, smiling, high-fiving the crowd, Savio Vega doesn't really work for me. Doesn't work. 
It's sort of like face Conan before he was like gangster Conan when he was just yeah. smiling and happy. And this just doesn't work for this character. I'm sorry. No. Like nothing. If you look at Savio Vega, nothing about him says like, oh, he's Mr. Friendly, nice man. Yeah, no. He's a scary looking guy. Yeah, you're right. And he's coming out to fight Owen Hart. I don't say that just because he's Puerto Rican, by the way. I just say it because he's got the tattoo and he's big and... He looks like a brawler. He has some boxing background. He actually had to retire from the ring because of his brawl for all match. He got injured in the brawl uh, for all. He's back wrestling again, actually. He did a match four months ago with a uh, tag team with uh, the great Muda, who, believe it or not, Muda still wrestles. It yeah. Is, it is 60s. So he's out to square off against Owen Hart, who, man, since SummerSlam 94 has slid quite a ways down the card, too. Yeah. Uh, sadly. The Slammy Award-winning Owen Hart, and he will not let you forget it because he is proud of that Slammy. So much so that he keeps hurting his arm by touching it. The king of hearts. So Owen has a broken left arm, which he sells hilariously by touching his Slammy. Yes. Every time he tries to lift it up, he... he, Oh. Oh. It hurts so bad. Vince ponders where Jim Cornette is. JR says he's probably consumed with his big client, Vader. Naturally, I mean, I'm back with, I'm training with the champ right now. Yeah, I'm, I've got to put most of my time tonight. If I'm, It's where the money is. It's where, yeah, it's where the title's going to be, so. Tim White tells Owen, look, if you use that cast as a weapon, you're out of here, buddy. I don't well, think Owen will do it. I, not, tr- I trust Owen. Hart. Not this guy. No, I trust him. Savio goes right after the broken arm, of course, and slams it against each turnbuckle and then locks in an arm bar. Cornette is shown backstage with Vader in our Stridex split box as he is uh, lifting some weights, getting buffed up for his big match tonight. He's getting jacked. Owen attacks Savio's arm in return with arm bars and strikes. Savio gets his arm trapped in the ropes, and Owen smashes at it. Then all of a sudden, Clarence Mason walks down to the ring. But whose side is he on? Insiguri levels Savio for a two count. They exchange several near, near falls. Near falls as Clarence Mason watches on. Savio runs wild after an inverted atomic drop and two clotheslines, followed by corner punches and a sidewalk slam, all for a two count on Owen. Owen hits a missile drop kick, but Savio kicks out at two. Savio hits a back suplex, but hurts his own head in the process because he landed on Owen's cast. So Owen, seeing what has happened, plays possum. And he slides his cast off his arm, and as Savio comes over to the downed Owen, Owen decks him right in the face with the cast in front of referee Tim White, who somehow did not see this. He covered it up really well. Yeah. And then Owen, of course, puts the KO'd Savio in the sharpshooter, because why not? And then Owen gets the win as Tim sees that Savio has died from the cast to the face. The blast of the cast Yes, did Savio Vega in. Clarence, I didn't know a cast could come off. Did you know this? I've seen, I think I recall people in high school, like uh, I had a friend that broke his arm playing basketball with me one time. What was funny is he broke, he broke, he didn't even take a big fall and he, he immediately said to me dude, my arm's broke. And I said, no it's not. And so we just went on the rest of the day, but then he came to school with the cast on the next day. But it seemed like towards the end of your broken arm, he could slide it off. It seemed like he... I do recall some people... Like, there are certain kinds of casts you can slide off, but oh, then... 
I think. I don't. I've never actually had it broken anything. I haven't either. So oh, I've broken stuff. I've just never had a cast. Yeah, so. I, I'm pretty sure I had a cracked rib once, also from playing basketball, because I thought even though this guy was a lot younger and more athletic than me, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try and like cross him up. I'm gonna try and like actually compete with this guy. What I did was tripped over my feet and slammed chest first into the court. But yeah, I've never I've never actually had a broken hand or leg or anything. I was always kind of jealous of people that did because they got to like uh like especially people that broke their arm in school then they didn't they didn't have to do as much work because I yeah. can't hold a pencil or whatever. Right. So anyway, Clarence Mason then comes into the ring to celebrate with Owen. So that's whose side he's on. Justin Hawk Bradshaw comes out and screams and I thought he was screaming about Owen, but instead he just cheap shots uh, Savio Vega. He was he was talking about border border patrol. That's what he was talking oh, about. Oh no, he was. He was talking about border patrol, and that Savio Vega needed to go back to, to Puerto Rico. To Puerto Rico. Well, Puerto Rico's part of the United States. Someone needed to give Justin Hawk Bradshaw a geography lesson. He comes out there to deck Savio Vega for no fucking reason. Whatever. Uh, this match stunk it up, but it was not a good Owen Hart match. It was not a good match in general. This should have been the free-for-all match. The Toddster is in the boiler room looking for mankind. The way to win this match tonight is to grab the urn first. Sounds simple enough. Mankind says there's no place like home. And he licks the wall. The new rockers. The new and improved rockers. Do you know who the new and improved rockers are? I do, yes. They Le- are Marty Janetti and... Leaf Cassidy, of Leaf course. Cassidy. Who's Leaf Cassidy? That would be Al Snow. That would be Al Snow, yes. The new rockers. Man, this tag division, the state of your tag division in 1996 is not too good. The Body Donna, Skip and Zip are out next with Sonny. Or no, Sonny's not with them. No, she's Sonny's, with the guns. Sonny's with the... Uh, I think I think because Chris Candido, I always think she's with the Body Donnas. Yeah, which was Chris Candido and uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard. We see a, a quick shot of Vladimir the Superfan in the crowd, and then the Godwins are out to a dubbed over theme. No, don't go messing with a country boy, even on the network version. Even though Jim Johnston wrote the song. Yes. They dubbed over it with generic fiddle music. Then the champion Smoking Guns are out next with Sonny this time. The new and improved Smoking Guns, which are the same Smoking Guns, but they had blue jeans on. They traded their khakis for blue jeans, and yeah. Sonny added a lot to this group because they could not talk on their own. So thank goodness she's there. <laughs> Sonny talked a lot tonight. Yes. <laughs> Sonny was the highlight of this match for me, honestly. <laughs> Henry gets the ju- Henry Godwin gets the jump on Billy Gunn and sends him to the outside. Phineas and Zip then are tagged in. Phineas and Zip decide, you know what, we'll just tag the guns in. Which immediately, like we say, one of the guns should have just laid down and Billy or Bart should have had the other one pin him. Well, it was elimination. Oh, right, right. So that would have eliminated them. From- did it eliminate them or did they, nothing would have happened, I guess. It's a half glass empty, not a half glass so, full kind of thing. So when Billy and Bart get tagged in, they just stand around. They refuse to to wrestle each other. Of course. So Bart tags Zip back in. Marty trips Zip, and Billy eliminates him with a pinfall. All it took was a trip, and that was it. The new rockers and the guns are going to work together on the Godwins. Phineas eliminates Marty with a slop drop, the inverted DDT, or the scorpion death drop. Now it's down to the smoking guns and the Godwins. Henry works with the guns a bit before Phineas gets the hot tag. 
slop drop to Billy. But Hillbilly Jim was distracting the ref because he was threatening to slop Sonny. So their own manager has caused the distraction here. That allows Bart to drop an axe handle off the top turnbuckle onto Phineas and then rolls Billy on top of Phineas. The ref turns around and counts the three. The smoking guns have retained the tag team titles in a terrible, terrible match. This It was bad. I mean, even in a multi-man match, it seemed like no one did any anything it was mad it was very bad you're gonna have eight man mode on the new wwe video games you'll be able to do four corner tag team matches see that's the thing with the video game here's what they do they take things out they wait a couple years they put it back in and you're gonna have eight man tags so you'll be able to do survivor series style sasha banks has become the new women's champion she has defeated alexa bliss again but there has been some rumors of a new superstar shakeup, so this could be what all this is about it'd be nice it's weird because i think there's too many people on the roster but i see the same matchups every single week so it's it's hard to say because it just all feels the same anyway i'm getting off <laughs> off track here anyway by the way, just Billy Billy Gunn had a cast on for his match, so of course uh, nobody seemed to care about his cast, though. He could no. use that totally legally. That was fine. Yeah. I wanted to see Sonny get slop. They really did rob the fans of the slop spot. Yeah. But Sonny saved the... The highlight of this match comes when, at the end. But Sonny gets on the mic and congratulates her smoking guns. Then she says every man and woman in the crowd is so ugly. You guys can't even look at yourselves. So I'm going to give you something good to look at. And out from the ceiling, Patrick, the most money they spent all night on anything, a giant sunny poster comes down from the ceiling. So that way all of these ugly people had something nice to look at. That's true. I loved this heel promo from Sonny. It, she was, was, it, was, it was very well She was done. like a female recruit here. It's very well done. It's a rough match. It's a contender for one of the worst matches we've seen, but it's nowhere. Dory Funk and Nick Bockwinkle still hold that honor for me of the matches. I thought you'd pass that one up for one of our others. It was close with with the Kennel from Hell match was very close to overtaking that one, but I still think I prefer the Kennel from Hell match because at least it had funny. At least it was so bad it was funny. That's true. This match, this tag team match was just bad. Yes. For the sake of being bad. They filmed a new KFC commercial, in case you're interested. Who did it's it already. involve? Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels was in a KFC commercial. He was the colonel. Wow. Of course, SummerSlam, one of the big four, 
So you need to have your talent out and about doing things. Like That's true. Sort of have like an access before access was a thing. So the Godwins and the Guns had a race between the Cleveland Metro train and the Guns were in a horse-drawn carriage in a race to see who could get to the arena Who's first. Who's going to get to the arena first? The Godwins easily beat them to the arena in the train. Not only did they beat them, they actually stopped and had lunch before they went to the And they love the air conditioning. Yes, they do. Sonny claims they cheated, but you can't really cheat on a metro train. Jerry Lawler went to throw out the first pitch at a Cleveland Indians game. He wanted to know what the spitter was. The spitball, of course. No one would teach it to him. No. No one seemed to know what he was talking about. And then they showed him throwing the... He did a decent first pitch. If this was, in fact, a first pitch. I'm not sure it was. I think he was there during batting practice and just threw a pitch. Threw a couple of them. Yeah. Oh, they took the best one. Yeah. Hang on. All right. Try it again. All right. Try. Okay. We're going to go with that one. No, he's not going to look like a fool. (laughs) He's going to save that for later, making someone else look like a fool. All right, Sandy, you show me how to throw the fastball, the sinker, the slider, but... Heck with all those legal pitches. I don't know how to throw the spitball. That's against the rules, right? Show me how to throw the spitball. I know you guys do it all the time. Okay. Show me how to do a pile driver. Pile driver. driver. Yeah, the pile driver. That's my that's my patented hole. Now I can I can pile drive you. You can pile drive me. Of course. No way. Yes, I can. You can't pile drive me. Can. Well, wait, wait a minute now. Come on. Okay. I'm... Well, the king didn't get an answer he liked there, so we went to all-star pitcher Charles Nagy. Charles Nagy, I was at the game last night. I saw you pitch. It was masterful. The, the, the curveball was working beautifully. The fastball, everything. But, man, you were throwing the best thing, don't you? You were throwing the spitter. It was it was terrific, right? No such thing as a spitter. We can't no. throw those. Those are illegal. You should know that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're right. I know that rules are made to be broken, too, Charles. So you go, hey, look, I'm the king. Go ahead and tell. Spitter, right? No, so, no. Look, you wipe the forehead, slip it right off the, huh? No. The King Jerry Lawler did a pretty good job throwing out the first pitch, but his seats were, uh, well, look. The last time I let Vince McMahon tell me he can get me good tickets. He knows I get a nosebleed when I get up this high. Hey, buddy, how'd you get up here? Helicopter? Hey, there's Bob Euchre down there. Even he's got better seats than I do. WWF superstars had to go cover graffiti on the streets. They had to do community service. They did, yes. Savio Vega, the Godwins... With Sonny, so they're breaking kayfabe by hanging out with Sonny. <laughs> and Mark fucking Henry, fresh off of disappointing us at the 96 Olympics, is out on the streets of Cleveland painting over graffiti. I cannot believe the run this man has had with the company. And to see him here was a total shock to me. I love how when Henry comes out later on, Kurt Henning gives him so much shit about not winning gold medals. And he has no comeback for yeah, it. No, none whatsoever. <laughs> he gets buried <laughs> he gets right off the bat. <laughs> He's like, well, he was injured. I don't mean shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever. I know another guy at the exact same Olympics. Yeah, I had was a injured. broken leg and a he, broken neck. He won fucking gold medals. Why couldn't you do it? <laughs> it was just, it was very funny the way it was done. Also out painting graffiti, Sparky Plug. So yes. Bob Holly's out painting graffiti. The Undertaker. His public service was giving away a funeral to a worthy fan. All expenses paid funeral. Then, of course, you have what was very special. The Undertaker and Paul Bear actually gave away an entire funeral. That guy looks like he's a few years away. He can save it, however. I want, I sadly, I kind of want to know if the guy got the funeral or if he's still alive. Should we look this up and see if we can find out? Because they said the man's name. 
Oh, so, yeah, it's true. So <laughs> just like that Stone Cold truck they gave away or just or the monster truck they gave away. And then they were like, oh, it's not a monster truck on WC. All these giveaways and yeah. all, the person who won. They followed up with the person who won the original in your house. So that was actually followed up. That on. was an actual house. They did win that house. Yeah. yeah. Th- but they ended up like selling the house. It was like a 14 year old boy or something. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was his. I guess it went to the family, but. I kind of want to know if this guy, like... If he's died and who paid for the funeral. <laughs> yeah. I want to see if Titan Sports, Inc. sent a check for the funeral or if... It was probably like, here's $1,000. Right. Here's a casket or something. Yeah. You'll grow into it. Don't worry. <laughs> Stridex. Held don't worry on- about the color. You'll look good in it. <laughs> yeah, we picked it out for you. It says Lex... It's a Lex Luger branded one. <laughs> Undertaker custom made it for yeah, you. Yeah, it's left over from SummerSlam. It's left over from Royal Rumble 94. It's, it's the gold one with, with uh, gold dust uh, on it. <laughs> it's a prop. That's good. I like that. And Paul Bear will be there. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess he can't be there now. So I hope that... Oh, I don't hope, but I wonder if this guy actually... Or if this was just they said, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to think of that. What you know, a, you, this is kind of a sick and morbid that we're actually wondering if this dude is dead or not. We've gone on about well, this. Well, and if I know it's just an odd thing. I've never heard of this. I being, haven't either. Stridex <laughs> held an autograph signing with the Godwins. Man, these Godwins had a lot of shit to do in Cleveland. They, they did, were, man. The Godwins were out and about. I guess they had someone babysitting the hogs back at the farm. Yeah. Davy Boy Smith is out without Jim Cornette. He's still busy with Vader. He'll be facing Psycho Sid. Of course, a rematch from the uh, six-man last month. Doc Hendricks is with Sid. Sid says he had a dream where they wanted the man back, and the man is here to stay, and he's the master and the ruler of the world. Of course, he said it like Psycho Sid would say it, so he whispered, and then he yelled, and then he whispered again. All right, thank you, Vince. Sid, it must be a nice surprise and a great feeling, the overwhelming support you've received from the WWF fans since you returned to the World Wrestling stop, Federation. Stop, stop right there. I know what the question is. Let me give you the answer. See, it didn't start then. It started months ago. When I am laying asleep, and it came to me. The people were screaming, Sid, Sid. They screamed, but their demand was simple. They wanted the man back. And the man is here, my friend! The man is here to stay! All right, Sid, you've claimed on numerous occasions you're the ruler and master of the world. Question is, right now, can you rule and master the world of the British Bulldog? It's funny you said that, because see, at the International Incident, I feel like there was just a little bit something missing. So tonight, Bulldog, is my chance to take one more step. One more step to the top. it's over, there's some more players, my friend. The people will be standing. You know, this is you are the master. You are the ruler. <gasps> All right, guys, here comes 6'9", 313 pounds of a powerbomb. Yeah, well, we're ready for him. I'm not so sure the British Bulldog is. Sid takes, dude, this dude basked in the glory of this Cleveland, Ohio crowd. I've never seen Sid (laughs) so warmly received and, like, loving it. This dude was fucking grandstanding and hot-dogging all the way out. They were eating him up, man. This was probably the biggest Yeah, this is the biggest Sid reaction I've ever seen, and it's weird because, like, it's fucking Sid. They went nuts over it. So Sid takes forever to get to the ring because he, like... He's high-fiving everybody. He walks around the ring. He's like, 
banging his chest. The people are going nuts. He's fist bumping everybody yeah. he finds. He gets in the ring and gets on one knee and just throws his arms. Dude, this dude is just loving it. The place it. goes absolutely nuts. So when Vince probably sees this, like, so he, of course, when WrestleMania 13 comes around and it's time to make the main event, he's like, well, like, he was over at SummerSlam. Yeah, because Vince was ringside. So he was probably like, my God, we've got a superstar on our yeah, hands. They love him. This was just bizarre. I thought I'd switched over to, I don't know, Bizarro World. Yeah. I love how, I love Sid's ring work, but he's terrible on the microphone. I think he's not very good in the ring either. Really? Lucky for him, he's in the ring with someone that's not good either British Bulldog. Which USA chants break out against Bulldog, who was teaming with Mr. USA just a, you know a year ago. That's so true. it's that is true. how quick we turn on you, you know. That's true. Sid gets rolling, so Bulldog just rolls out of the ring. Let's go, Sid chants. Man, Sid really is, is over, over in Cleveland. Bulldog hits a delayed vertical suplex on Sid, which was this was beautiful. Sadly, it gassed Bulldog completely out because this that, was a feat of strength. This was, and I mean, he didn't just hold him for a second. He held him up there for an unbelievable amount of time. For a man who's almost seven foot tall and over 300 pounds, this was very well done. Clarence Mason comes back down to cheer on the Bulldog this time. It's obvious whose corner he's in. Vader is now shadow boxing in the back with Cornette, so he's moved on from weightlifting to now shadow boxing. Bulldog clotheslines Sid out of the ring and does a front handspring flip to celebrate. Very odd. The Bulldog then dumps Sid chest first onto the ropes, and the ropes have to cave in from the weight of Psycho Sid landing on them. Bulldog hits his running power slam, but gets distracted by Cornette, who ran out and started arguing with Clarence Mason, despite being shown just backstage. He... Must have booked it to the ring because we just saw him seconds ago watching his man shadow box. But yeah. he's not happy with Clarence Mason trying to steal his clients, I guess. So he comes out there and argues with him. This distracts Bulldog. Bulldog turns around, tries another running power slam, but it gets reversed as, well, Sid just slides out of it. Choke slams, or Sid choke slams Bulldog, and then the crowd goes fucking ape shit to see a power bomb. Which Diesel had been doing for years before this, but yeah, he hits him with the power bomb and gets the win. One, two, three, that's it. And then Sid goes right back to grandstanding and hot dogging as he was just loving it out there. Nothing of a match really. The a couple of, well, the the delayed vertical suplex was really awesome. The running power slam was awesome. That was pretty much it as far as offense. I don't know from, that power bomb was pretty cool too, man. Oh yeah. The four big moves in the match, I that guess. That powerbomb, for him to be able to get him up like that, and really, that was pretty pretty awesome. A promo for In Your House Mind Games happening Uh-oh. next month. Goldust and Marlena are now on the way to the ring. Goldust has been macking on Sable to set up this feud. So in a year, they've gone from having you believe Goldust was gay to now he's happily married man that just wants to bring in a, th- a second lady. They want to bring in a third. So now he's a swinger. Marlena smoking a cigar is pretty cool look. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. in today's, you know, no one smokes on TV anymore, but to see Marlena, who is about half the size of the cigar, this tiny woman carrying a giant cigar. Yeah, she she's 4'9". Is she, I don't even think she's 5 foot. She's definitely not 100 pounds. No. In 1996, anyway. The Toddster is with Mark Marrow and his wonderful flowing mullet. Mark Marrow's beautiful mullet. <laughs> Johnny B. Bad also debuted debuted at WrestleMania 12, being called Mark Morrow at WrestleMania yes. 12. 
So he's relatively new to the company. And he's going to unleash the wild thing tonight. Yes, he's going to show us a new move. What could it be? JR asks if Mr. Perfect is retired. Mr. Perfect says it's none of your business, JR. <laughs> no, he was not retired. Gold Dust smacks Mark Marrow and hides behind the ref. What a fucking pussy. <laughs> Marlena watches this match with her cigar in the director's chair. She's got this manager thing figured out. Why do I have to stand here? I could just smoke and sit in a chair. It's true. A Gold Dust cosplayer has stolen a chair ringside on the hard camera. Now, at first, I thought this was a plant. I would see later that it was not, because I saw him earlier in the night, and he was not ringside. So he stole these seats, and WWF security did not like that too much, and he would be removed later on in this match. But a very early... like I, It's rare to see people dressed up. Like I mean, I guess there's... There's not a lot of people to dress up as, you know, like with face paint in yeah. the company. So, but this Gold Dust cosplayer, he went all out. Like he went all, yeah. It almost looked spot on. Gold Dust back body drops Mero out of the ring, and he almost lands on his neck. Luckily, he was able to catch his legs under the ropes and right himself before landing on the ring mats. Gold Dust drops Mero's throat across the guardrail and rolls him inside. A chin lock to Mero, and mankind for some reason comes out and interferes in this match, going over to Sable and saying... What was he saying to Sable? Mommy! He thinks that Sable is his mother. Yes. Come here, Mommy! Mankind's family tree is going to get very weird by the end of the night. It is. Mankind just runs away. Yeah. After Sable's like, no, go away. He's like, okay. And he just leaves. A springboard reverse elbow from Marrow lands on Goldust. Marrow does the corner punches, but Goldust... Dumps them both out of the ring so he could do the bad mood, which is a somersault plancha Mark Marrow does, and he rolls gold dust in the ring and then hits a springboard leg drop. Wild Man then goes up to the top turnbuckle to debut his new move. What could it be? The Wild Thing. A shooting star press. And he almost did not get all the way over. Which did wake up the crowd, though. The yeah. crowd had not seen this move probably ever in a WWF ring. And it was the only thing that caught the crowd's attention in this match. Yeah. But Goldust, this new move, kick out at two. And the Goldust impersonator and his friend, an update on them, are being kicked out of the front row. They are being asked to leave. Then a curtain call to Marrow, and it's over. One, two, three. Tough start in the WWF for Mark Marrow as he lost to Austin at King of the Ring in the tournament. Yes. And is now losing the gold dust. Yes. You would think you bring this guy in, you'd want him to get some big wins early on, get him some momentum, especially if he's a baby face. That's true. They didn't do that. They didn't seem to no. think that. And to be fair, he still looked like Johnny B. Bad. He, they did nothing to his character other than give him music with cat noises in it and call him the wild man. Yeah. So uh, his boxing gimmick, his woman-hating boxing gimmick, was much better a, a year or two later. So, Well, he was actually a professional boxer. Yeah, he did some Golden Gloves stuff. So, And he won his round in the Tough Enough, or not Tough Enough, in the uh, Brawl for All. Yeah. But then pulled out due to injury. This should have just been a free SummerSlam. They should have just put the <laughs> whole thing on USA at the rate that we're going here, because I have just not found anything that I really liked so far. The next match was good, except for the ending. At the end of this match, though, Mr. Perfect accurately says, if Meryl would just leave his wife at home, he'll be okay. 
Ahmed Johnson gives us an update on his kidney injury in a bathrobe. I feel like we're invading his private time here. You see, Ahmed won a battle royal for a title shot, but got destroyed by Farouk back when Farouk was wearing a helmet. Uh, What was hilarious, though, is when he wins this battle royal, as he's dumping out the last guy he eliminated, I forgot who it was, Ahmed got stuck upside down on the ropes because he is so fat and, like, so untalented, yeah. he couldn't pull himself back up. So he only won because, well, he just botched the ending of the Battle Royal. Pretty much. Tip, it's just, it's perfect. It's like summarizes everything about Ahmed Johnson's career as a pro wrestler. Ahmed is the IC champ and he has to vacate it. He says, it's the people's title. Uh-oh. So there will be an IC title tournament starting on Raw. You know what? I can always ignore the physical pain. This isn't the first time I've been in physical pain. It's more the mental pain that's playing the game with me right now. The mental pain hurts worse than anything in my life right now. It's the mental pain. Ahmed's pain started nearly four weeks ago when he suffered a ruptured kidney in this attack by Farouk Assad. The injury was further aggravated two weeks later when, against doctor's orders, Ahmed competed in the Raw Invitational Battle Royal. It was one of the most extraordinary displays of courage we have ever seen. Ahmed ignoring the pain to earn his first WWF title shot. But his glory soon turned to tragedy. Farouk once again attacking the injured and exhausted Ahmed. The severity of Ahmed's condition was not completely realized until almost a week later when Ahmed was rushed to the hospital for emergency surgery. Internal bleeding from that ruptured kidney was actually endangering his life. The surgery was thankfully a success, but the future of one of the most promising young WWF superstars remains in doubt. Ahmed is out, at least temporarily, forcing Gorilla Monsoon to make a tough decision. I'm left with no alternative but to say that the Intercontinental Championship right now is vacant. I understand that this is the people's belt. This is a WWF Intercontinental People's title. And I understand that to hold that title, we have to defend it night after night after night in order to be able to keep that title. I understand I'm able to do that right now. I understand Grow my student decision, I understand that totally. And I have no bitterness against him or the Federation. Gorilla Monsoon has announced there will be an eight-man intercontinental title tournament beginning tomorrow night live on Raw. But for Ahmed Johnson, the question is, will he ever be able to return to wrestling? If the bleeding is stopped, he may return in about three or four months. If we can't get the bleeding to stop, we have to go in and take his kidney out which means he won't be able to come back at all. I don't care what the doctors say to me. What the doctors say to me means nothing. I mean, John's going to do what he wants to do and what his fans want him to do. I got a commitment to the fans and the people. And I'm going to do whatever it takes and however long it takes to get the job done. As for the WWF title shot Ahmed had earned by winning the Battle Royal, Monsoon has decided that the last four men in the ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Goldust, Savio Vega, and Psycho Sid, will all take part in a sudden death Battle Royal live tomorrow night on Raw. The winner gets the automatic WWF title shot on Raw Championship Friday, a special edition of Raw on September the 6th. Ahmed Johnson will be watching from home that night, watching someone else get his WWF title shot. I, I hold no one at fault for what happened to me but myself. And me and my fans, we will defend our honor and our pride once again. 
hopefully real soon. He'll be back in three to four months. Goldust would end up winning this IC What actually happened to him? He had legit kidney problems. Okay. Because I know he actually, he seriously ended up having to go under emergency surgery, which is why he was out for, for a long period of time. But what does it say actually what happened? They kayfabe the injury from Farouk, just yeah. as storyline reasoning. But yeah, he would not be back until Royal Rumble on pay-per-view. Yeah, he was out on almost a year. So Well, and then when he came back, he got injured shortly thereafter. Yeah. So like I said before, he almost he almost got the rock spot in the Nation of Domination. We almost missed a major the most pivotal part of the Rock's career, basically. Like almost didn't happen because that was Ahmed John it was Get promised to Ahmed Johnson. Yeah. Luckily, he got injured, and the rest, well, is history. And <laughs> The Rock is the highest-paid movie star in the world. There's also a battle royal coming up tomorrow night on Raw. Why am I even watching this pay-per-view? Everything's happening on Raw. Between Savio Vega, who lost tonight and is yet in this match, tomorrow night, Goldust, Stone Cold Steve Austin, who wasn't even on this show, and Psycho Sid for the number one contendership tomorrow night. No matter who wins tonight, in the I guess there's no rematch clause in Sean's contract if he lost the title to Vader because we're making a new number one contender tomorrow night. Farouk is out next. He's also managed by Sonny, so Sonny's working with multiple clients. Todd interviews him, and Farouk says he should be the IC champ. I mean, yeah. Technically, Ahmed didn't show up for the match. Vacate that title. It's mine. You gotta strip him of it. And that's pretty much all Farouk says. And here we go. Another great moment in wrestling history coming up next. Another fantastic angle that just make, warms your heart, brings the family together, just makes you feel good about life. As a guy with real addiction struggles, Jake the Snake Roberts, decides to get into a feud Well, Jerry Lawler decides to get into a feud with this man. Jerry Lawler, a famous teetotaler, a non-drinker, decides to go to... Bring up Jake's addiction problems. But not just that, Patrick. That's not low enough. Instead, he decides to soak his opponent in booze. Yes. And any opponent he faces up until Jake the Snake, poor Aldo Montoya, got a face full of Jim Bean. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. Anytime you become an addict or an alcoholic, there's so much shame and guilt involved. He had a problem and he drank it. <laughs> But the bottom line for me was, is whenever I got to a point that I didn't want to live anymore, where I wanted to die. You know, when most people get drunk, they see snakes. But when snakes get drunk, they see Jake Roberts. <laughs> My hope is, is that uh, I'll be able to help some of the younger athletes. Well, they don't have to make the same mistakes that Jake Roberts made. People like you are supposed to turn the other cheek, right? Yeah. Let's see if you turn the other cheek. Hey. You see what I believe in? An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Aldo doesn't even drink. Smell the stuff. Oh, oh, Jerry the King Lawler reveling in his victory. One thing I promise you: this week you'll be reaching out and saying, "God, please help Jake get off of me. Jake, please don't put that snake on me. God help me." Ain't nobody gonna help you. You're gonna pay the price. This is worse than the Scott Hall stuff, in my oh opinion. yeah, and. uh... This really bothered Jake. This still to this day bothers Jake. 
this angle, this storyline really, really bothers him and upsets him because at, at this point in time, he had cleaned up. Right, he was trying to get a role backstage. He was he cleaned up and he was doing better and he hadn't had any alcohol in, in quite some time. He was staying clean and sober and they insisted on doing this this storyline and I mean, it could have been sweet tea, it could have been something else. It didn't have to really be straight liquor that you're pouring all over the man on a weekly basis. Come on. I can't sit here and say that this angle caused Jake to then fall off the wagon later on, but it certainly didn't help. No, because, I mean, this was probably the last time you would see him. He made one more appearance uh, on pay-per-view. He he was in the Royal Rumble next year as well. Oh, he was? And then worked, I think, up until February. So he stuck with the company a little bit longer, but was really aiming to move out of the wrestling ring and work as an agent. Yeah. Yeah. But couldn't keep it together, as we all. Yeah, I mean, Jake's story is, is very widely known. Mark Henry is out next after failing us just a few months ago at the Olympics in Atlanta. <laughs> Thanks, And they signed this guy before the Olympics, assuming, well, he's the world's strongest man. He's going to win. He's going to go down there and tear shit up. <laughs> he's, a sort, he, he's a sure thing. You know what? We'll give him a fucking 10-year contract. Ten-year contract. Never stepped foot in a wrestling ring before. Ten years. Come back with the gold. We'll Sign see you in a few months, buddy. We'll see. And it was going to go to Kurt Angle as well. After they wanted to put Angle and Mark Henry together in a, as, ta- as a tag team. I've never heard that story. They were. And Kurt Angle turned him down, which is why he then showed up on ECW, which is why he then didn't get into wrestling turnaround came back a couple of weeks a couple of months later and well i'm sure kurt also probably got received some training before he probably saw what happened with mark henry and said yeah i don't want to go in there cold you know yeah. even though he's a real wrestler but you still need to know a few things before yeah. you just go in there but fucking vince handed mark henry 10 years of guaranteed fucking money this is the real streak, like I say all the time. This man. Sexual chocolate, baby. Forget anything The Undertaker. <laughs> forget The Undertaker's streak. Forget Goldberg. This, ladies and gentlemen, this man. Him, still, I mean, it's. Him just, and Big Show. <laughs> that's true, too. <laughs> but I think The Big Show is a much better wrestler than Mark Henry ever was. That's true. So Mark Henry is going to come join us on commentary, and he said all of about five words, I think, during this this match. Jerry Lawler comes out with a bag. It looks like Jake's snake bag. And then he takes off his robe to unveil a Baltimore Ravens jersey as the Ravens had just left Cleveland. The Browns had left. Art Modell packed up the football team and moved out of Cleveland. So this was shot right to the heart of Cleveland sports fans to see those damned Baltimore Ravens jerseys in the ring. He claims that Art Modell's in the house. He is not because he would be um, carried out on a stretcher probably if someone had seen this man there. Lawler gets the bag, the Jake the Snake bag. You think it's a Jake. You think it's a snake bag, but instead it has a bottle of Jim Beam. He goes back to the bag and he's like, I've got another tag team partner for Jake. It's Jack Daniel. And then he's like, well, no, wait, it's Jim Beam. Yeah. He just has two bottles of Jim Beam. Lawler says Jake's wife is in the crowd, and she's ugly. 
but that's nothing that lights and a six-pack couldn't fix. He calls out Mark Henry for not winning any gold medals for some reason, and he says he'll knock Jake sideways so you'll recognize him from... because you see him passed out at the bar all the time. Harvey Whippleman is our ref, so you know it's going to be called right down the middle. Jerry has some more stuff in his bag. Jake runs out. Jake wants to charge Jerry. Jerry grabs the mic and said, nobody, nobody asked for last call. Jerry says if Jake will take what's in his bag, he'll forfeit the match. Jerry unveils a giant wine bottle in the bag. A, a giant wine bottle. This thing's huge. Yeah, I, I thought he would use it as a weapon. Like, I thought it was a gimmick. I thought it was, too. But, no, no such luck. So Jake says, enough of this shit, and he takes out his snake and wraps Lawler in it. That massive Burmese python snake. So Lawler runs away, goes and gets a bottle of Jim Beam to offer him. Jake the Snake goes and tracks him down with right hands. Both wrestlers get in the ring, so the match finally starts. The crowd keeps chanting for the DDT. That's all they want out of this match. They would not leave satisfied. Oh, Jake kicks Lawler low, but doesn't get DQ'd. Jerry throws beer in Jake's face from a fan's cup. Mark Henry doesn't say much, so I really can't say that he's awful. He just doesn't ring in that much. <laughs> yeah. Jerry comes into the ring with the bottle of booze, but almost gets DDT'd, but suplexes Jake out of it. Jake tries the DDT, but Jerry grabs Whippleman. Jerry hits Jake with the bottle to the throat. Yes. And then pulls the tights right in front of Whippleman. No DQ. One, two, three. Jerry Lawler gets the win. Since Jake is clutching his throat, do you know why his throat hurts? Because it's dry. He needs something to drink. So he goes and pours booze down Jake's mouth on the side of the ring. Wonderful. Mark Henry, <laughs> despite allowing all this to continue, finally says, Someone need to step up and stop this trash. Somebody got to stop this trash. Oh, can you smell that? That is horrible. That referee's and the official. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Uh oh! Mark Henry just went off headset. And look at this! Whoa! No sign. Mark Henry is stopping this in his own right. Don't make me get up now and get over there. And so he finally stands up and goes over to Lawler and chases him away. Yes. What a classy company! What a classy angle! And you would think, well, they, at least they learned from this. They'd never do it again. But Hawk and Legion of Doom, just a few years later, would be so drunk he fell off the Titan Tron. And WCW was Scott Hall a few years later. So, yeah. Vince Russo, yeah, I guess. That's. Russo finds. He always finds a way. To... He finds happiness in the, dis... in the dismay of others. He always. He says, How low can you go? I can go lower. Find a way. That is true. It's 96, so of course Bob Backlund is running for president in the crowd. That's all we get mentioned of him. I barely saw him in the crowd. He was like covered with a sign. A promo recaps the Mankind and Taker feud. Paul Bear does Undertaker's entrance without him, which was really weird. (laughs) Then he stands in the ring with the urn and just holds it. And I wondered what was happening during the boiler room brawl with Bear in the ring. Like He just stood there. (laughs) <laughs> he held that position. I don't think Bear could keep his arms up that that long. I guess he I'm just sure he probably to, dropped it, but he just stood there, stood there holding it the whole time. Because that was the that was the plot was you had to 
work your way back to the ring to get the urn from Paul Bear. This was a very complicated... I This was fucked from the start. There was no way. I love this match. Oh, God. This is awful. So Paul Bear stands there holding the urn. Then we go backstage, which this is before the era of the Titantron. Yes. So the company wheeled out tube TVs. Yes. On t- wheels. Giant tube TVs on wheels. And they did have a mini Tron that they were using that multiple screen thing at the entry at the entryway. So they did have some ways to watch it. I'm sure they put it on the basketball thing if they could. I don't know if they could back then or not, but for the most part, you could not probably see anything that was happening. Um, most of you couldn't see at home either. Yes, so. most of us couldn't see it either uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, number one reason is that the boiler room is usually dark. And they decided not to bring any extra lighting rig with them. Which, so, which believe it or not, I like. Yeah, but there has something has to happen in the match. Nothing happens. It's plunder. It's just garbage. So anyway, Taker, conveniently, they labeled the boiler room, boiler room, on the door. Yes. So Taker finds it. He spends a couple minutes looking around for mankind. Where is he? I can't find him. Where is he? Out of nowhere, he gets just he gets blindsided with a two by four. I guess mankind found Jim Duggan's old two by four in the uh, boiler room and jumps him and smacks him with that and some other wooden scraps. It's time for some plunder. Undertaker slows him down with a garbage can lid. Taker slings mankind into a circuit breaker box. No electrical effects though. No sparks. No sparks. Box. Mankind uses a sawhorse to hit a stunner on Taker. Vince, JR, and Perfect. This is another problem I had with the match. They decided to be silent. So I don't even have any context. Is no JR. Oh my god, I can't believe he hit him with that. So they decided to be quiet. I think that's that's another reason why I love this match. Because I it hate was, it. it. It just showed the brutality of two men just beating the hell out of each other. But they don't beat the hell out of each other. That's the problem I have with it. I think it. they do. No, it's like, I'm going to hit you with this. Okay, I hit you with it couple minutes later you hit me with something it's just not there wasn't intensity there i don't think it was really lacking i've seen better brawls at plunder matches kevin sullivan and chris benoit come to mind okay well no one's gonna live up to that though the announcers are silent then all of a sudden the camera cuts out so now we can't fucking see anything you wanna know why gotta keep that cord tight that's why you have guys out there now that you keep the cord if it gets kinked up. Yeah, it's like a garden hose. It's like a garden the hose. Video. You lose the. Why didn't you just pre-tape this part? It could have been perfect. You could have taped take multiple takes. You would have known it was perfect. And then cut when they come out to the ring. Make that part live. The fact that they tried this live, apparently, unless they see. I kind of think that this was pre-taped because the. The fucked up camera parts, I almost thought they used that to cut it, but then later on when the camera cuts out again for a really long time, there's no, they wouldn't do that on purpose. Like, yeah. So yeah, I would have faked, I would have faked this wrestling match. I know that sounds crazy, but I would have pre-taped it. There's no problem with pre-taping it. Also, WWF didn't do a lot of color at this time, but, yeah. and Undertaker especially rarely ever did color even up until the day he retired but no one bled from there was no i mean i'm not i i don't like the idea of blading necessarily but like when you're supposed to sell this as an intense a madman is in the boiler room 
Well, Taker, at one point in time, glass was used, and Taker did get a pretty nasty cut on his arm. I didn't notice any cut on but him. But that's about it. Mankind hits Taker in the dick with some pipes. Mankind climbs a ladder to do his old Cactus Jack elbow drop to Taker. The camera starts cutting out again as Taker gets the upper hand. Then this gets the crowd booing, which was audible. I loved I loved that. You see, you see Mankind crawling. You see Undertaker crawling. You see Mankind reaching for the camera as the camera's like cutting in and out, and he's screaming. <laughs> oh, it was just it was it was almost like Nine of the Living Dead kind of shit. It was so. I, what I liked about it is that this crowd, you know, obviously wanted the Undertaker to win and be in control of the match, and so the moment Undertaker takes control, up oh, the camera went out. Yeah, you don't get to see your favorite guy. Yeah have any control the interference here the uh scramble vision like when i used to try to watch pay-per-views i didn't buy lasts a long time mankind in the process of this finds another ladder that i don't know why you need all these ladders in the boiler room but they add them (laughs) taker tips it over and mankind falls into a tarped off area taker then says fuck this i'm out i'm going to the door and uses a fire extinguisher on Mankind, who had used it earlier. They tried to play it off as him undoing a pipe, and he got hit with steam. He hit Taker with steam, but what he did was he mocked turning the wheel of this pipe in the boiler room and then hit, like, off-camera, like, squirted him with the fire extinguisher. Oh, really? So it looked like steam, like... That was actually a pretty smart move on Mick Foley's part. Yeah. But this time, Taker uses it on Mankind... Mankind recovers, though, no-sells that fucking fire extinguisher, and gets out the door. Then they have to go through a second door, and then barricades it and keeps Undertaker. Oh, he's not getting out of that. No man could ever make it through this pile of garbage. But Taker just charges right through it. Pounds his way through. Then this is actually my favorite part of the match. When the boys in the back step out to watch this match, because... Out of all the locker rooms, they're just standing in the doorways yeah like austin is there the race is on man i mean the race is on it's who can get to the ring first and they are crawling they're throwing shit in each other's paths they're trying every way in the world and another favorite moment when mankind chucks a coffee machine at undertaker and they're like oh it's growing hot coffee it was not hot coffee but maybe a playoff of the famous mcdonald's hot coffee lawsuit i think there you go they wanted they brawl they Stumble into the arena, Mankind comes out first, and we see the old tube TVs that were brought out so the fans could watch this match, which is hilarious. I wanted wanted someone to use it. it. Well, Mankind does fuck up that one TV at the entryway part. Just pick it up and just drop it right on top of his head. Yeah, like in the old uh, video games, basically. Kill power to it, just because it's not going to, I mean, it won't cut you that bad. Oh, I think those things would fuck you up, man. Do you really think so? Yeah, if you didn't have a gimmicked TV yet. Really? Oh, yeah. As heavy as they are and stuff? Oh, that's true. Taker tries to get into the ring, but Mankind stops him. Mankind pile drives Undertaker on concrete. Then Mankind and Taker brawl on the apron, and Taker shoots Mankind off back to the concrete. That is a backdrop that there's no amount of money for any mer- any person to take. Taker walks in the ring, and all he needs is Paul Bear to just hand him the urn. So he does his Undertaker pose, and he holds out his hand. Well, Paul Bear won't give him the urn for some reason. What's going on here? Mankind comes in, gives him the mandible claw, and Paul Bear starts laughing. 
Has Paul Bear turned on The Undertaker? No, it couldn't happen. Don't believe it. Then, you know for sure because Mankind grabs Undertaker, holds his arms behind his back, and Paul Bear smacks the shit out of Undertaker. That thing thudded off his head. Paul Bear even throws a boot at Undertaker when he's on the ground, man. He puts the boots to him. What an asshole. Kick him while he's down. Taker still, I mean, he's Frankenstein. He's Frankenstein's monster, so he still loves his master, and he crawls to Paul, and he has his hand out one more time. Maybe you've got this all wrong. Maybe there's been a mistake. Yeah. But Paul Bear smacks Undertaker in the face with the urn, and Mankind just gets the urn and wins. And Uncle Paul has found his new monster, and there you go. The druids come out to retrieve the Undertaker's body, who has died once again. Yes. So, as far as storytelling goes, I really enjoyed the last few minutes of this match. Yeah. With the Paul Bearer heel turn, and I enjoyed a couple of moments of them walking backstage, but, you know, overall, I'm sorry, I'm not with you, dude. I, I thought this was a really boring match really? in the boiler room. I enjoyed It could have been a, the technical difficulties they had. That's out of their control, but that's why you pre-tape matches. Yeah. Um... Vince wasn't going to have like an ECW style hardcore match at this time. So it wasn't like, but you, but we all know what Mick Foley's capable of in hardcore matches and Undertaker for that matter. And I just thought that this is like a PG era. This is a plunder match with, because you can have a great, like I said, the, the Chris Benoit, Kevin Sullivan match was like a plunder match, but I could feel like the heat, you know, like I, it felt intense. Well, that this was just, personal, but yeah. Well, I know this, this just didn't feel that intense to me. And so yeah. I just, I didn't really enjoy it. And next month he had, he would have a great match with Shawn Michaels at the, in at your house. games. Yeah. yeah. So I think next month is actually probably what, what really caught their eye, but yeah. So what did you, I, now you love I, the match. I love the match. I, there are mul- there have been multiple boiler room matches. Yes, this one and then the one that happened in '99 at the '99 Backlash with Big Show and Mankind. I think are two of the absolute best because he, I mean, Big Show and Mankind just bleed all over that entire boiler room, and so, and this one yeah, it's the first also, and it's different and it's it's only shot with that one spotlight on the camera and it's just you had the like I said you had the you know him him reaching for help as the camera's going out and like it's just uh it's cinematic history I think it's Sorry. a great match if you were to cut it up into like little short clips yeah. and not show the whole match like like on a Mick Foley DVD like those are, there's a few great clips in the match, but yeah. it's just not a great match in, in its entirety. So that concludes the co-main event. Now it's time for the real main event. It's true. Doc Hendricks is with Jim Cornette, and Jim Cornette says Vader proved he can beat Shawn Michaels because he beat him on Raw. Probably by disqualification, though. We just witnessed one of the most shocking things in World Wrestling Federation history, and I know you guys intend on shocking 20,000 people in the Gund Arena and millions across the world by ending Shawn Michaels' boyhood dream in his championship reign. I don't care if there's 50,000 stinking people out there. It's going to make no difference. Shawn Michaels, we proved a lot of things. We proved that Vader can pin you for a three count because he did it last month. We proved that he can beat 
because he did it on Raw. And now, tonight at SummerSlam, we're going to prove that Vader's going to beat you when it counts, and that's for the World Wrestling Federation title. I promised last month Camp Cornette would win. I'm promising tonight that Vader is going to beat Shawn Michaels. Shawn, when he grabs you around the neck and you try to talk, then your voice is going to sound like Peter Frampton's electronic kazoo and the instrumental break and do you feel like we do and it's going to be a bad ride from there because one way or another we're going to come out on top tonight. Vader's beating Shawn Michaels once and for all. I guess we're fixing to find out if it is Vader time. Back to you guys at ringside. Vader comes out to his awesome It's Vader time theme which is one of my favorite uh, theme songs. Vader to show how angry he is he takes it out on the ring steps. He throws them down. What an asshole. He's mad. Vader gets no pyro, just some red lights. Because we're saving all our pyro. For the boyhood dream has come true. It's Shawn Michaels, world champion, out with Jose Lothario. A fan jumps the guardrail and kisses Shawn. A very young-looking woman fan, like... This was a teenager... Yes. ...that wanted a piece of Shawn Michaels, and she got it. Yeah. The security doesn't stop her. She just walks away. And Sean is just like, thank you. Yeah. So security pretty light here, unless this was a plant of some sort. I don't know, man. That's It might have been one of the giveaways at the, the funeral giveaway. It, you either win a funeral or you get to kiss Shawn Michaels. Oh, boy, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> I was really wanting that kiss from Shawn Michaels, but I'll take a funeral. Sean looks like a male stripper police officer because he has his little police hat and his sparkly Shawn Michaels uh, attire on. He looks like, yeah, the guy from the village people, the police officer. Why, MC? Yeah. When he takes all that stuff off and he just has the pants, and he looks fine. Yeah. But it's just all this sparkly... As much crap as I give Sean about his style, like his those a- brown pants his, that he wore. His but, assless chaps. Yeah. This was uh, very out of place in 96. Like, wrestling is always just slightly behind the times when it comes to style, and Sean proves it here once again. But the crowd, they don't... They fucking love Sean Michaels. As much as they were loving Sid, they love Sean. There were so Everybody m- loves Sean. Yeah. Well, he's the best wrestler in the world in 1996. Yeah. And, and most of 97 up until he got injured. Lots of Sean glasses in the crowd, merch. There are women. They find every woman in this crowd, and they all are all, they're all in love yeah. with the heartbreak kid here. So this crowd is hot for Sean Michaels. They didn't really react to Vader at all. Sean trips Vader and drop kicks him and throws some Daniel Bryan-style karate kicks as Vader is on his rear end, and then throws some rights and lefts as he's got the big man down immediately. Usually it's always cut the big man down spot, but yeah. Sean takes him right down. Not a... Yeah. Doesn't fucking waste a, a, any motion. Vader goes to throw Michaels out of the ring, but Michaels drops down and Vader's momentum carries him out of the ring. A baseball slide connects and Vader goes right to the ground. Then Sean hits a beautiful suicide dive that lands perfectly as this man could just fly through the air. Vader tries to regroup a cornet. We gotta talk about this. But Sean, he won't let him. He's a fighting champ. Sean hits a Hurricane Rana on Vader in the middle of the ring. And then, to top that, he head scissors Vader out of the ring. Yes. And then skins the cat to get back in. Holy shit. Like, Shawn Michaels looks incredible in, like, the first three minutes of this match. Like Vader's look, making him look like a million bucks, man. 
Vader had zero offense to start this match. Sean tries another Hurricane Rana, this time on the outside of the ring, but gets very gently power bombed down on the ring mats. Leon took care of Sean. He did not just splat. Well, I'm sure Vince was. Could you imagine if you had injured Sean Michaels in '96? The uh, company would be out of business. Oh, uh, yeah. If you had hurt Sean in '96, you probably would have been fired, if not dead. Cause. And the company would have gone under. This was yeah. their guy. This was the this only is guy. This the only guy they had at the... I mean, you had Taker, but here's Taker's just took his hiatus for a little <laughs> yeah, bit longer, too. he just got too. killed. <laughs> you so, just killed off your second biggest so, star. I mean, you literally... He just took his second vacation, so... I mean, you all you got Sean. You better make it count. Vader slings HBK to the corner, and he, he flare flips out of the ring. Sean gets back in and gets back body dropped. Sean punches out of a side suplex and then flips out of another one and throws some right hands at Vader. A vertical suplex attempt to Sean, but he flips out of that. Michaels has to skin the cat again, but instead, Vader grabs him from the skinning of the cat and throws him like a dart into the middle of the ring, which was pretty cool. <laughs> it was, because he just, there you go, and just Sean splats on the... Vader locks in a rest hold, a chin lock, but Sean, he hulks up. Vader tries to hit Michaels with a seated senton, but Michaels knees him low, which DQ, ding, ding, ding. I agree. Sean calls for his signature top turnbuckle elbow drop. Here it is, folks. All right. Some big miscommunication here. Huge miscommunication, because right here is where Sean slams him, heads up to the top. As he slams him, you hear the camera pick it up move gets to the top move goes to jump and leon doesn't move sean lands on his feet pissed (laughs) yes pissed this was the angriest man i've ever seen he puts the moment he puts like boots he shoots a kick. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a not a worked kick. He no, stomps he, Vader square in the fucking face. Yeah. For not listening to him. And at this point in time, this is when heated tempers started. It was still a professional match, but there was still a few Leon Leon laid a couple of receipts back in. So I'm not sure about that, dude. Sean, like I said, you're not gonna fuck around with Shawn Michaels at this time. Like no. he had all the power. You were nothing. Yeah. You, you're a fucking scrub from WCW is who you yeah. are. Like, And like I said, like that Cornette thing, I included it in like one of our first episodes or whatever. Like, Cornette talks about Leon crying in the back because Sean was telling people, I'm going to have this guy fired because he fucked me out there. Like, yeah. Sean, yes, Sean was not very pleased. I almost thought that he wanted Vader to get a boot up because it looked like Sean's plan was to always land on his feet off the top rope and that Vader would get a boot up. Yeah. And that that's what the plan was. Whatever happened, it didn't happen because, yeah, Sean didn't try an elbow drop. Instead, he just jumped down, landed on his feet, and then yelled something very angrily at Vader and then stomped him in his face for his trouble. And this would be the end of uh, Vader in the main event scene. I mean, basically. Yeah. This one mistake, uh, that was it. Not that they had any plans for him anyway, but Sean is so pissed about this still. But they, to be fair, he picked Vader up and cross bodies him out of the ring. Like he still pulls off a big spot. Like even yeah. after 
At least you didn't go back up to the turnbuckle and do it again. Like, that's what an indie yeah. person would have done. Right. And then I love the camera guy as they're both laying there on the mat. Yeah. The camera guy zooms Sean in on Sean. Sean still wants to have a word with yeah, Vader. John's, Sean's still pretty pretty steamed, so he he grabs the camera and he just shoves it back. and has a, Your boy Sean and photographers <laughs> have had quite a feud. I mean, even up until Bad Blood 97. If, he was, if Sean Michaels goes outside of the ring ropes at any point in time and you are a cameraman or a photographer or a referee or a referee get the hell out of his way <laughs> so vader after getting another verbal scolding from michaels uh, snake eyes michaels on the guardrail vader goes in the ring and despite this not taking 10 seconds has secured a count out win somehow Cornette gets on the mic and says hey we came here to win the title get back in the ring you coward Shawn michaels and let's restart the match so Sean, of course, starts to walk away, which it would have been great if he just walked away and just oh, yeah. was like, fuck it. <laughs> Screw this shit. But he comes back to the ring. The match restarts without him in the ring, which isn't legal somehow, right? You got to have both guys in the ring. Exactly. Right, ref? You're right. But it starts anyway. This time, Jose Lothario distracts the ref inadvertently. And then Sean gets tennis racketed by Cornette and rolled into the ring. Vader lands a belly-to-belly, but Sean kicks out at two. Vader calls for a powerbomb, but Sean punches his way out of it. Sean finally lands his elbow drop this time, then tunes up the band. Cornette, though, stops him and gets right-handed for his troubles. And then Sean takes the tennis racket... Not a very face-like thing we're about to see here. Yeah. And beats the shit out of Vader with the tennis racket to get another DQ. When Sean puts the punches to to Cornette, Cornette throws the tennis racket to the middle of the ring right in front of Vader. Well, before Vader can bend over and get it, Sean kicks Vader in the face. Sean grabs it, and Sean just starts wearing him out with it. Yeah, what a great face champion here, huh? What a boyhood dream to, to cheat your way to victory. Vader grabs a chair. Well, I'll just cheat too. But the ref separates the two combatants. Cornette wants the match restarted as he rightfully calls out Shawn Michaels for cheating. Yeah. Calls him out on his bullshit. And guess what? Gorilla Monsoon starts the match again. So here we go again. Vader's already got two wins. Technically, Vader got the better night here. It's true. The winner's purse. Yeah, he had two out of three. Quite some loopholes in this contract that Sean signed for this match. That It could just be restarted at any given point. Yeah. So, Vader misses a seated senton. Sean hits him with a running forearm and then gets another top rope elbow. Tuning up the band again. Hits sweet chin music. But Vader kicks out at two for a huge reaction from this crowd because they could not believe. I mean, the super kick was very well protected. Yeah. Not a lot of people kicking out of the super kick. Yeah. In 96. Vader launches Sean into the ref, so the ref bumps to the outside. Vader powerbombs Sean and covers him. One, two, three, four, five, six. But the replacement ref. No ref. So he slides in there. One, two. Kick out. The replacement (sighs) ref got there too late. Man. Vader calls for the Vader bomb off the second rope, but Cornette fucks up here. And uh, had Vader just done what he was going to do, it would have been fine. But Cornette says, go to the top. Go to the top. We want a moonsault. So Vader says, okay. And he goes up to the top rope. But Sean, unlike Vader, rolls away from the moonsault. Vader misses. He pulls himself up to the top rope. Sean does. 
and hits his own moonsault and beats Vader with a moonsault of his own. Beats him with his own finisher, basically. And wins the match. The officials come in the ring to break things up. And the night is over. Yes. In a very, I thought, a very good main event. But Shawn Michaels, like I said, was the best wrestler in the world in 1996. Yes. And it, I, it was a very good main event. Um, Aside from that one moment that really uh, soured Shawn's grapes, I don't have any complaints about the main event. I thought the main event was, of this show, it's the one thing I would advise people to go back and watch. Unless yeah. you just want to see the first Boiler Room brawl just for historical purposes, but... Uh, this is the only match. This is the only redeeming match on the card. But WWF, unlike WCW, was very good at putting good main events on, usually. Yeah. So they did it here again. So two very capable guys. I mean, Vader had been all over the world at this point, And Sean just uh, showed that to think that this guy was held back so long because of his size is just ridiculous. This guy is Shawn Michaels. I mean, we could just go on and on and on about how great Shawn Michaels is. I mean, yeah. So I really enjoyed the main event quite a bit. It was it was the only thing I really enjoyed on the card. Really? It was. I mean, yeah. I mean, the only thing I would go back to, really, personally. Oh, I loved the main event. I thought the main event was great. I loved the entire pay per view. You had your ups and your downs throughout it. You had. Uh, you had a very heated hatred between Lawler and Roberts. You had a well, I didn't like that because of the angle. You had a uh, a very and the crowd didn't get a DDT. No, that's true. You had a very upset uh, Shawn Michaels pitching a fit while he's. I mean, it was a great match, but you know he lost his cool and. So it added to the it added to the the match in the main event. You had uh, a first ever match in the Boiler Room Brawl, which was brutal and gruesome. You had it was it was brutal. <laughs> it was not gruesome, but it was brutal to sit through. Absolutely. <laughs> you had Bulldog and Sid. I thought was delivered. Believe it or not, I thought they delivered a lot better than could have been expected well the, oh i mean that def, i mean the crowd loves sid and they got what they wanted and that's really what it's all about at the end of the day when you're putting together a show is to make the crowd happy or to make the crowd heated yeah it's to get the reaction you want and the crowd for whatever reason i don't know why they love sid so much the man was born in arkansas he has no connection to cleveland as far He's as born I know. in memphis he's just on the arkansas side right but uh so I don't know why they loved him so much, but they loved him. He went in there. He won with his finishing move in like six or seven minutes. The crowd loved it. Sid loved it. So place went nuts. It was so. a win for for Sid. I mean, it was a win for their booking, but uh, I don't think it was a great match. It uh, was sort of like your complaints with uh, Brock and Goldberg yeah. from this year's Mania, where it was like they just hit four moves. Well, I liked the way they hit four moves over and over and over again. I thought the match that match had a lot of intensity. I didn't think Sid and Bulldog had any intensity behind it. It was just two yeah. guys for the sake of two guys. I uh, I'm not believing I'm saying this, but you know how I feel about Mark Marrow. Uh, I did not like Marrow and Goldust. No, I didn't like it either. I thought even Goldust I thought looked sloppy in the match. S- Savio and Owen. I love Owen. I did not like oh, Savio Vagan. No. Savio and Owen, and I did not like the tag titles. Oh, that tag team match, I think, by far was the worst on the card, because then, not only was it a bad match, but you have eight guys. Yeah. You know, you're telling me 
none of you eight guys can get anything going in this match. Yeah. Nothing happened in the match. Like Marty Jannetty and and Leaf Bi- Cassidy, Billy Gunn, but Marty Jannetty and Billy Gunn could have picked up the pace and carried most of that match. Both of them very talented. Both of them able to to show up and, and you know go on and carry on. I think had uh, Chris Candido been in better health, he could have added to it as well. Why even have this as a four-way when you could have had a regular tag team match half the time and then had Stone Cold on the card at least? That's like, true. I mean... On our scale, on our rating scale, Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where would you put my pick, SummerSlam 1996? I will give this one a zip from the Body Donnas. Zip? Yes. Five foot ten man. <laughs> so a man that's my size. So that's where I would. I'm put going this. to give it a six foot six, none other than Jake the Snake Roberts. Wow, so. that's very nice of you. Very generous. Because yeah, I didn't. I think SummerSlam '94 is a better show, honestly. Really? Oh, definitely. I mean, that Owen Brett match is better than anything on this. Oh, show. the Owen Brett match is probably the greatest cage match. Just no, standard, no, no, standard cage match, not Hell in a Cell, not. Standard cage match, probably the greatest standard cage match of all time. And that women's title match that was on the card was really good. Um, with Alundra Blaze. Yeah. But it is now time for my selection for next week. Of course, we mentioned great Ric Flair moments. And so, in honor of Ric Flair, who by next week should be styling and profiling, hopefully. Just hopefully out in the world. Back to jet flying limo riding doing whatever kiss stealing wheeling dealing we're gonna go to the 89 chai town rumble for nwa for rick flair and ricky steamboat number one. Oh man the first part of their trilogy this is a great match it is uh it's been dave Meltzer up until uh, omega and okada you know they're about they've had their third match already, but it was in the G1, so it's really not part of. I mean, I wouldn't consider it part of the trilogy. Yeah, they're eventually going to have a third main event match, but up until this recent feud in New Japan, this is regarded as the best three match rivalry ever. So yeah. I wanted to see how it all began, and it began at the Chai Town Rumble in 1989, February 20th. Anyway. So next week, Chai Town Rumble 89, uh, Steamboat and Flair number one, and that'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. Bingo, bingo. <laughs>